It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 78 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. I'm getting, should I say, close to the end of my rope. It's not with Heather's crazy Pirates of the Caribbean theories. That actually happened a long time ago, actually, is when I got frustrated with those. But what I'm really talking about is a cursed studio chair that I'm sitting in. It's this wooden bar chair, and it's actually pretty nice, and I do like it. Works really well with the extended height of our table. It's pretty comfortable. However, after going through the previous minute, I'm now so tuned into the creaks of this chair, I'm about ready to go insane. (laughs) I try to keep absolutely still, but there are times throughout the show that I, you know, adjust or lean forward, backward, and every other point in between. And that's when the chair creaks. It's especially noticeable when I'm in post-production using headphones. And I'm about to go into denial and just use the built-in speaker to artificially, like, mask this noise so I can ignore it. But then everyone else out there in the listening audience would be subjected to it. And I can't really have them listening to it either, so... It's going to be time for us to start looking for a new chair because now I really focus on the creaks during the, and after this show. So either that or I'm just hearing these squeaks, which are now all in my head. And so crazy is a potential possibility. That crazy is. Well, this is not an invitation for you to comment. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I could stand like you do, but I tend to move quite a bit. And I figured that would also maybe create a bunch of other noises. And the I move lots. Yeah, and it's annoying. All the noises that they just hear out there. I get so many emails. It's like, why is Heather moving around so much? And I said, yeah, you know, I totally understand where you're coming from. So it's time to add chair to my list. And we'll have to see what we can do about that. Because I'm really tired of the squeaking. And I'm sure everyone else out there is too. They're like, what's that noise that I keep hearing in the background? Well, you shouldn't do somersaults on your chair. That's true. It's a wooden chair. So it is quite dangerous. I mean, I could use a throne to go with my power. A throne. Like maybe that chair that Jack sits on in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. So a throne that would really actually complement that scepter you gave me when I was crowned king of the world. Yeah. Or was it king of my mind, actually? King of your mind. Oh, king of my mind. Crazy, But you still didn't give me a scepter. So I've never given you a scepter. How dare you? And not only that, if the squeaking chair wasn't enough, It is actually, and I can say literally, 85 degrees in our studio. (laughs) Our asinine air conditioning went out on, like, we're getting a heat wave out here in Napa. We're in, actually, Napa, California. I think all of California is getting a heat wave right now. And we've been nice and cool all the time. We're actually right on Napa River. It's right next door to us, if you will. So the breeze, and we get more wind, and it cools down really nicely. But, man, if not this heat wave and then our air conditioner goes out in the night so it's not like i can even go get a you know the stuff to fix it and make it work and we did get part of it to work so it's just running but it's not having any cooling power and we're like we gotta record and so now we're dying up here squeaky chair 
The heat. <laughs> my God, the heat. Yeah, my God, the heat is right. <laughs> we are dying. Man, it's a sweat ball up here. <laughs> it's like we are sitting We're in the, the Caribbean. Face of the sun. No kidding. It's like, oh, can somebody get me a bed warmer, please? Because I'm a little bit chilly here. Man. <laughs> Either way, I think it's time we just start Minute 78 so we can get the hell out of this sauna room. Scott, you have to leave your clothes on. <laughs> Thank God it's not a video podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you'd be scaring people right hey. now. Arr! Excuse you. We'd be, people be in droves coming to the show. Like, my God, that's a really good podcast. It's not about what we're seeing. It's really about the content. Yeah. That's what they would say. <laughs> In the previous minute, an inconsiderate Will Turner throws the rest of Elizabeth Swan's ore collection into the ocean. To his defense, I completely understand his irritation as gold nuggets make a way better Isla de Muerta souvenir than cumbersome wooden paddles. After landing on the deck of the HMS Interceptor, both Will and Elizabeth are greeted by the Oso Pirate Gibbs and Jack's motley crew of miscreant sailors. But wait, we can't forget that Captain Jack Sparrow was reminiscing with Captain Barbosa. Remember that time when you marooned me on that godforsaken spit of land? That was awesome. Oh, and you forgot one very important thing, mate. I'm Captain Jack Sparrow. Minute 78 begins with Barbosa finishing his hanging triple dots that, if you remember, began with... Well, I won't be making. Dot, now dot, the dot. drum roll, please. That mistake again. After Barbosa engages his crew with a bit of Captain Jack Sparrow nostalgia, orders them to kill him, sparking the pirates to draw their pistols. The minute ends with Will bandaging Elizabeth's hand and ask her why she gave Barbosa his name as hers. I don't know is the response just as she pulls it tight making her recoil in a bit of pain. I had a whole different other place to start but because of the heat I decided to start with this one kind of thing. Well it, I mean it really does appear that Captain Barbosa set a bad example for Elizabeth. So I gotta ask you Heather what's the first thing she does when all is settled in on the Interceptor? Not when she first gets on board, but when things are settled in. Do you have any idea? She goes to love. No. As soon oh. as everything is good, she goes below deck and lights a bunch of open flame candles. Oh, yeah. This lady definitely <laughs> needs to go through a pirate ship safety course. She's not just asking to light the ship. She actually is asking for a burning ship. Yeah. Then we'd be right back where we she started. She likes lots of light. Candlelight. That's right. Maybe she thinks she candlelight. looks good in candlelight. You got to put that in some lantern action there. No, that I mean, she dims would be it. Floating on the ocean again because the interceptor is burned to the well. It's not burned to the ground. What happens? If it's, <laughs> it's burned, burned to the to water. The ground burned <laughs> to the water. I don't burned know if that really to a works. crisp. Burned to a crisp. No longer floatable. And then the black pearl. They'd be floating out there, and the black pearl would come and pick them up. And then she'd be like, "What? More pirates?" So yeah, <laughs> she needs to contain those flames. It's a symbol. It's a symbol of the flame burning in her heart. Yes. Or her loins. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of that, I think the big kind of... Well, let me let me say this. There's also a runner-up answer I would have taken. Do you have any other guesses? She just said... When she, you said love. I said love. I don't know if I want to accept that or not. I mean, I basically accept the answer that... Well, let's just say I would accept the answer that after all said and done, she's all settled in there, she's gone through and everything... She wants to play doctor. Now, I know she's tried on Will's name and has probably gotten a liking to being Mrs. Turner instead of Miss Swan or Miss Turner. Miss Turner, yeah. But she needs to just simmer down now. <laughs> we are giving Wait, a she's not the one playing doctor here. 
She's a, you. She's the patient. You're saying that you play doctor by yourself. That's a whole nother ball game here. <laughs> She's the patient. He's the doctor. I think you need to look up what the term playing doctor means. <laughs> <laughs> Heather actually I'm going thinks with the G rated. <laughs> Heather actually is like, well, they're going to play doctor. That means that. The, Doctor, I need some bandages here. Yeah, okay. that's exactly what's going on, right? Okay, that's true. I mean, we're given to a couple of clues to what actually transpired during the Doctor foreplay here. But there is some flame burning in her soul right now. And his. So maybe that's why all the candles are there. Yes, it adds to the mood. She asked Will, who would trade a life for a ship? And this is obviously referring to Captain Jack Sparrow. He asked her why she... Say her name was Turner. So is it just me or is this hovering on maybe another movie cliche here? What movie cliche are you talking about now? That's a very good question. I'm glad you asked because I was going to just go there anyways, but I'm glad you actually are taking a active role in the discussion today. Not that you don't other times, especially yeah. when there's hammer time going on like yesterday's episode. But it's the idea that I show you mine and you show me yours. Woo <laughs> Yeah, well, kind of like that. But we're talking about scars here, so I don't know why you're saying oh. the woohoo, woohoo. <laughs> Clearly, this is a twist or maybe a take on that kind of idea, you know, that whole let's trade stuff, so to speak. Perhaps my favorite and the greatest example of this is in Jaws. And this isn't woo-woo action. This is Jaws we're talking about. My favorite is in Friends. You have an example from Friends? Yeah. Really? You show I don't remember me mine, this. I'll show you yours. It wasn't voluntary. I kind of remember something about that, but I don't really... Was it? Did somebody walk in on somebody? Is that what happened? Yeah. Um, Joey's seen Rachel's boobies. And then so Rachel's going to get him back and ends up seeing Joey's dad's... Oh, I kind of remember that. Yeah. Woohoo. His, his uh, yoo Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the 90s, people. <laughs> well, I guess it's not that far off that we're talking a movie from oh. 2003, so that's okay. It's a TV show, by the way. Not that a was an accidental thing, though. Mine was actually Quint, Brody, and Hooper. They're all on the Orca, and they start trading war stories, so to speak. It's just basically the details of each of their scars. So basically, like fish. I caught the biggest fish. No, you caught the biggest fish. Well, kind of, yeah. It's kind of like that. And I can't believe you don't... Do you know this reference from Jaws? Do you remember it? Be honest, though. No. You don't? I'm like... Ugh, Jaws ugh. is just not... Jaws is my number one movie of I all time. I know it is. So you got to get on board with Jaws. I don't pay that much attention. No, it's it's kind of like that, but it isn't. It, well, I guess it is because they each try to one-up each other on, on the story. And actually, there's a kind of ends in a great kind of deal with Hooper. And he actually is pointing to his chest or his heart area and basically said a girl broke his heart. So it's just kind of cool. But then this leads into the whole USS Indianapolis story, which then is a downer on all this stuff. But So we won't go there. But it really is about this whole idea of these kind of stories or these scar stories. But in here, it's really about their pirates, obviously. So they're trading pirate stories, although it may scar them for life, I guess, too. Do you see it? Not, no, not no? The, not really. I mean, okay, yeah, Elizabeth I asks who trades I... a man's life for a ship, and Will says pirate, and then Will turns around and says, "You gave Barbosa my name as yours." Why? It's kind of like that. So I didn't, I, I didn't yeah. say. I said we are hovering on oh, hovering. We weren't there. It just reminded me. Maybe it was more I of it reminded me I of this scene. Okay. 
It wasn't necessarily that. I think it was think more that it reminded me. Well, okay, it's, it is a stretch, but it reminded me so much of that okay. Jaws scene because they were doing that. They're on a ship. They're kind of below deck at this point, and those are the coincidences. And those, and then they started talking about like, well, yeah, you know, this is what happened to me because they're obviously exchanging stories of what happened to them. Yes, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say, yeah, it was a cliche, but it was kind of uh, something similar. If you will. Okay. Then maybe I'm going to say that there's another one. So maybe I'm just on this cliche rant for the past couple of episodes. So I wouldn't say that this is actually a cliche either. Maybe I'm just saying that wrong. I think you're just no, kind you're of not, wait, pulling wait, things you from the clouds. You, hey, you have no idea where I'm going. You're right. You don't even know Jaws. You're right. But there is a, another one that I wanted to talk about, and it's this twist on this usual daring hero saves the damsel in distress thing. Okay. You ready? Yes. Don't deny it. I can see in your voice, or I can not see your voice. <laughs> yeah. I can hear in your voice that you're already kind of in a denial situation here. You're already shooting me down, and I haven't even gotten anywhere. I'm almost frustrated where I'm not even going to tell you. <laughs> ah! But I'm going to. It's the typical... Kind of hero gets hurt saving the woman, and then she steps in as the doctor and bandages him up, right? There's a damsel in distress. The hero comes in. He gets hurt, and how they end things She's or that scene. That's hurt. What, you, oh, my God. You're not even letting me finish. I'm telling you what the typical scene is. Didn't I just say it was a twist on the usual daring kind of hero <laughs> saves the damsel yes. deal? So then you got to wait for the twist. Then once the hero saves the woman, and he has obviously been hurt during this whole scuffle or fighting the bad guys to get her uh-huh. to save her, then she bandages him up. Right. And the classic example is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Indy is on that merchant ship. He's getting patched up by Marion. And then, dare I say, romance is in the air there, too. Woo-woo. Oh, yeah, there is. But this isn't Indiana Jones talk. So no. the twist is that the damsel in our situation here on Pirates of the Caribbean... Is that she's actually slashed. the one who was hurt. And the hero is then filling in as kind of the nurse or doctor doing yes. the bandaging. So I don't think we see that, well, yeah, maybe it's not really a cliche. Maybe it's like all hell breaking loose on this particular formula for a movie that they have. This idea, right? Because yes. you yes. can see that quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You see it all the time. So that's what I'm saying. So that's kind of in that same realm, but they twisted it up here. So I'm not just trying to beat down this minute, and that's not my point. It's not? No, not really. Because that would be a Scott cliche. Oh, he's just going to beat this down with his cliches or formulas or whatever we want to call it. Because I do like some stuff here. And I'm not saying I didn't like that stuff either. But we do skit like this bit of off camera. You skit? Yeah, that's how I say things now. I shorten it up. Okay. That way people, I'm, I'm really kind of formulating my own shorthand language. Okay. So we get this. Now I completely lost where I was going with that because <laughs> you, thanks for interrupting me. But we get this kind of off-camera catching up between Elizabeth and Will. Elizabeth is giving all the details to Will and then bringing him up to speed. Will tells Elizabeth that Jack is essentially in on helping just to get his ship back. Or at least that's the hunch that he has about Jack that he's going to sell him out. But my question is, did Will tell... Because I want to announce my questions then. Awesome. Did he tell Elizabeth that he smacked or knocked Jack unconscious with an oar? No. You don't think so? No. You think he just said that he I got left behind? I don't think it came him. up. So you don't even think that went no. into that? Elizabeth could care less about Jack. She doesn't want anything to do with Jack. So I think it's it never even came up. So that's maybe... So then part of the explanation is that 
they're just telling the stories and he didn't go into all the details yeah. is your kind of idea. Yeah. What do you think she would have said then if he said, yeah, I knocked this guy unconscious before he could trade me over to Barbosa? She probably would have said, oh, good. Oh, well then, what does he have to lose? He looks like the real hero then. He fought a yeah, pirate. Yeah, but there's no reason to bring up that you beat somebody up. What's the reason there? I mean, what, what would even cause that? She could care less about Jack. Well, if he's just so relaying why, the story. So why you know? even bring it up? If he's just relaying the story, like I was in the caves and then I decided to knock Jack unconscious and then I came to rescue you. Or unless he just said, I lost Jack in the cave and I came to rescue you. Yeah. Okay. I guess at any rate, then we get the gist that now everyone is all up to speed. All the pieces of the puzzle are put together. And then we as the audience are left out of that conversation. And we don't really need to see it because we've just witnessed it over the last 77 minutes. Exactly. It's kind of catching everybody up. So now we know that he knows that she knows the whole story. Does that make sense? Yes. There we go. Now everybody's filled in. Yep. Unlike our lingering questions of why did Keeler and Twig not tell Barbosa or any of the other crew that that why Jack Jack Sparrow is still alive. Yeah. Because that's actually something that's interesting because we do see in this particular minute the a lot of the pirate crew, the cursed crew surrounding Jack and Barbosa's like, Gents, do you remember this guy, basically? And they're yeah. all yeah. And so you think that somebody would have piped up and said, Yeah, Keeler and Twig told us this bastard was still alive. But they didn't. I mean, no. We're not gonna go over that again. But yeah, that's a little interesting. Did you think this cursed crew seemed a little too excited to be to kill Jack? I even had that in my notes and my if I could find it right now, but I'm lost on those right now because Heather just skips around and she'd only read my mind. We were just there. I know, but I I usually like play stuff and I didn't put a bullet point next to just like Pintel and what I thought was. So now it's lost. It's just lost in this ether of notes. So I'm going to have to just go on what it was. But I think that he was just like really irritated that he couldn't kill Jack because he looks disappointed. Yeah. Like, well, this was going to be my fun time. Oh, goody. We're all going to the amusement park. Yeah. That's the same thing. Oh, goody, we get to all blast Jack. He's kind of biting on his tongue a little and kind of like, get this look it. like. Are you kidding? No, when he gets excited about killing Jack. Oh, yeah, he does do the tongue And then thing. all of a sudden he's like, what? Well. Come on. I mean, obviously the former crew here, and I should say former crew because Jack's former crew, really do not like him. Right? What are they ticked off about so much? Is it that he escaped the curse and they didn't? Well, that what would be deal? a reason. I mean, he doesn't seem like he'd be a bad captain. Uh-uh. But there's some definite hatred there, for sure. Yeah. So is all of this just a show, then, when Barbosa is around? That's my thought. I mean, Maybe. I don't really necessarily believe it, but why, why do they hate him so much? They seemed really excited about killing him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They already marooned him. He escaped. And they were really disappointed when they couldn't kill him. That's what I'm wondering. If they're just doing this because Barbosa's around, they're like, Jesus. Is, you know, they already were angry at Barbosa earlier, a few minutes ago. They're still a little bit angry, but now Jack's here. They're trying to either vent their frustration with that, or they're either secretly coming up to Jack individually and saying, Hey, man, yeah, I wish I really didn't join the mutiny because then we wouldn't have the curse or we'd all be cursed together or whatever. Maybe they're just blaming it on him. It's his fault, kind of. Well, they didn't. You can see it. in their eyes because. He's the one that gave him the directions to oh, the treasure. Well, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. But and now I did. why didn't he tell us that there really is a curse if that's the case? No, they knew that the curse, but Barbosa said he didn't believe it. And right. so I don't know. Is that something that he brought up to his crew? This is a world before Supernatural. 
So we're seeing, I think, at least from our perspective, Supernatural just starts with the curse 10 years ago. So before that, they didn't have a history of anything supernatural happening. Right. This is the first evidence of supernatural as far as they're concerned. At least that's what, that's kind of how I'm reading things. Because otherwise, if this is a world that was filled with supernatural stuff, Barbosa would have said, oh, there's a curse here. You know, there is supernatural stuff and this could be real. Unless he's not superstitious. Well, he wasn't. He wasn't Gibbs. But that's what I'm saying. Even if he was superstitious in a world where there's skeleton curse pirate things possible. Yeah. And you hear that this gold has a curse. You'd at least go, yeah, there are other curses. It's not, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it is a possibility. I mean, that he could still have said that, yeah, I didn't believe it either. Right. But the but not everybody's gonna walk away in that there's a chance of a curse. Well, you that's know what I, I mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's my point. Is that in a in say like right now, if you were to find a bucket of gold, a chest of gold, I'll take a bucket of gold, and you heard, don't take the bucket of gold because there's a curse on it. You'd be toting the bucket of gold home. I or, wouldn't. Or, you would. I forgot. Heather would go. Well, because she is a little superstitious. She'd go, Scott, take that gold home. <laughs> no, I would not. I'd say you need to leave that gold right where and it's And then at. what would happen? You would take the gold, and then we would be cursed. <laughs> That's possible. That is true, actually, now that I think <laughs> about it. It's very true. Normal people would take the gold. That's what I'm saying. Normal people would take the gold. I'm not sure that they would have done that. Because if there was, if there was a world that was full of superstitions, then... Or not superstitions, but curses and actual supernatural events like this, then they would have given it at least a second thought. They may not have believed that this particular goal was cursed, but they would have at least given it a second thought. And Barbosa had already said that he didn't think that the curse was real, that right. there was anything to worry about. And he was wrong, and now look at him. That's what I'm saying. So now if he moves forward in life, and he finds another giant chest of gold, and he hears that there's a curse on it, you bet your ass he's going to be going... I think I might just believe that there's a curse on this. Right? Right. Okay, then. But would he chance it? I don't know. That's a good question. It depends what the curse is. Is he going to have to eat apples and only apples for the rest of his life? He might go for it. Yeah. <laughs> we should also probably mention that there is at least this Jack-Barbosa interaction. It's something we haven't really talked about yet. Kind of in a roundabout way, maybe. But I didn't necessarily see it like Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio that we have these two gods pitted against each other having a battle of wits or engaging in this chess match, if you will. But I do buy into the two tricksters both working kind of this long con, both vying to one-up the other and prove kind of their cunning abilities, if you will. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, Jack does reveal a bit of his hand because he tells Barbosa whose blood they need to end the curse. Well, he doesn't really tell him whose blood he... He says he knows whose blood they need. Right. Because if he tells them, they're going to kill him. Well, obviously. That's what I meant. I just misspoke. Uh Uh-huh. Cuss you, you scurvy dog. So Jack does reveal that he has the knowledge to end the curse. So now the chess match has begun. And Jack actually really kind of had that upper hand to begin with, at least at this stage. Right. So that's, that's that's how I see it. Well, he did. Of course he did. Because he knew that the blood wouldn't, the girl's blood wouldn't work. And he knows whose blood will work. Exactly. And that's why he ends up hanging around there and going to find the pirates because he knows that they're not going to kill him. As long as he can get the words out fast enough before they blow him away, which is what he did. And we don't need to really rehash every single interaction like that in that minute. No. 
Oh, okay. But I thought we should at least mention that they do have this kind of coming together, if you will, of Barbosa and Jack again. There we go. That's all Battle I really got for this. It's, it's a chess match okay. between light and dark. Semi-light. Almost gray and gray and black. <laughs> it's a chess match between the gray and the black. The light, Will, is on the HMS Daunt- or Dauntless. HMS Interceptor, hightailing it, I'm assuming, out of there. Yeah. Well, he'll be in big trouble if Jack gets a hold of him. Yeah, he's not going to be happy about that. So that's but maybe could- it worked, worked out better that way. What did? With Will getting away from Jack... Because Jack's in this position, so he can hold it over Barbosa's head. Oh, I know who it is, but I'm not giving you no. The I don't think so. I, I I do see where you're coming from, but Jack wanted to be able to get the hell out of there on the Black Pearl right away. He didn't want to have to go chase anybody. He just wanted. There's two ships there: Interceptor, Black Pearl. And if he could get the Black Pearl from Isla de Muerta and get out of there, who cares what happens to anything else? That's all he wanted. Now things now he's are being, deal yeah, because now he can't make that bargain right away. And I have some other thoughts on that, but we'll probably save it for minute what seventy nine, especially since we're in a boiling hot studio today. Yeah, yeah. So let's just how about we call it a day and go sweat it out. Okay, sounds good. We'll be back tomorrow with minute seventy nine of the Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Sweaty Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Now get me a breeze. Exactly. Use a breeze in the studio. What's that, Banjo? Heather's been drinking at the Faithful Bride Tavern? Take me to her, buddy. Blimey. Passed out in the mud with the pigs? Again? This sty is your second home. Heather, wake up. The show's done and you're supposed to tell everyone where they can find us where the after party is, and how their voicemail may be featured on the show. Banjo, get me a bucket. Hey, Scallywags, while Banjo's getting some water to wake up Heather, it's time I say thanks for listening. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out, and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook and Twitter. If you're interested in our best-of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are at blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy.